Welcome to Freedom Fellowship Church in Kakana, Wisconsin. We are a non-denominational, Bible-teaching Christian church. Visit us at cometofreedom.com. We hope you're encouraged by God's Word. Here's Pastor Landon Churchill with today's message. So I heard Pastor David did a good job because I actually listened to the studies <laughs> in uh, the first 30 verses of Matthew chapter 24. You guys can put your finger there, but I want us all to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 this morning, and that's where we're going to begin, and then we'll jump in and finish up chapter 24 of Matthew. In 2 Peter 3.3, 3, it says, knowing this first. So if God says in his word, we should know something and we should know this first, do you think we should maybe pay attention to what he's about to say? Great, let's check out what he has to say. He says that scoffers will come when? Yesterday? In the last days, yeah, that included yesterday. I believe we're living in the last days. If you don't believe we're living in the last days, you really should check out the last couple studies we've done in the uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. But what are they going to be doing? The reason why, is why they're these scoffers, they're walking according to their own lusts, we're told. And then verse 4 says, And saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So I want to talk about derision with you guys just for a moment. And you might be like, well, what's derision, Pastor? Well, that means ridicule or mockery. Understanding that the second coming was imminent, many Christians of that day were making the mistake of setting dates. Aren't you guys glad that we've learned from their mistakes? No one's setting dates anymore, right? No, there's a ton of yahoos. Jump on Google. People are still setting dates. You think we would have learned by now? We can't set a date on the return of Jesus Christ because we're told that no one knows. No one knows the day or the hour except the Father in heaven. So what these false teachers, and this is what I want you guys to get as we look here at what we're told in 2 Peter 3, uh, the first verse, these false teachers, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't destroy with their lies. So what did they end up doing? Well, let's scoff. Let's ridicule instead. And don't we see a lot of that happening today? We have the truth, okay? People might try to debate it, but the truth of God stands, okay? That's one thing I love about the word of God, Okay, it speaks to all. It is clear, it is proven, it is factual. You can have your opinions about it, but you're wrong because God is right. Let him be true and every man a liar. So what can people do? They just begin to scoff. Don't you love the trolls on the internet? They have nothing actually to base upon their opinions, but hey, let's scoff and ridicule and make fun. No, let's be logical. Let's have a real conversation. Is this all you? Anyways, um, so the scoffers were told here in verse three. They're what's a scoff? It's a person that's doubting. They have a struggle in belief. So if we're honest as Christians, how many of us have doubted? If we're honest, we all have, right? At something or at some time. So it's interesting that every time a scoffer opens his mouth and denies the truth, he will help confirm to us that in our conviction it is very much uh, the very truth which he denies. When a scoffer scoffs, guys, do you guys understand that he's actually fulfilling Bible prophecy? Isn't that cool? So when you're among a scoffer, 
Okay, I would have you open up your Bible and say, hey, could you sign this for me? Because you're proving prophecy right now. You're awesome. You know? Anyways, verse 4. What do they ask? Say, where is the promise of his coming? In all things as they were. This is what these scoffers say. Well, they've been saying Jesus is coming back forever. Okay? Where it, well, they say that God's not going to break into history. That we interpret, you know, he wouldn't come and interrupt, let's say, the progress of history, of time. So all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's not so, guys. Think about that. It's just not true. Because Peter, he brings up this triad formula. You guys can look there in verse 5. There's three examples where he refutes these scoffers. One being creation, we see in verse 5. Then the flood in verses 5 and 6. And then the final judgment in verse 7. So he explains, no, God did break into history as in case of the flood. Some of you guys might be thinking, why are we taking a whole summer to teach our kids about the flood, about Noah? Why is that so important that we would take that much time? Because that's very important for you and I to get. God taught us a lot through that. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm so thankful that it's been recorded for us. That God has given us his thoughts and his views on the flood in the judgment and how Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. Those are good things to know. So he did so when men were convinced that nothing was going to happen to him. That's what was going on with the flood. Nothing's going to change. Everything's good. No, he broke in to time and judgment came. So let's pray one more time. Father, as you've told us in your word to watch and to pray, that's what we want to do this morning, God. We want to look to you. We want to be honest with you. We pray as we get into your word that our hearts really would be purified, that our thoughts would be aligned with yours, that we would just see better ways on how to honor you, to walk with you in humility, Father. Lord, that you would be changing us, our character, that we'd be more like you, Jesus. That's our desire, and we know your word will sanctify, and we thank you for that. We pray this in your name. Amen? So, you guys ever wonder how a bird that is asleep, how it can hang on that perch? Am I the only one? <laughs> Have you guys ever seen a bird sleeping? Like, how in the heck do you do that? That's so cool. Well, there's something uh, in their joints when their knees bend. It's like a steel trap, okay? It's just, it's on there. Nothing's going to move it. And I think that's really cool. So from these sleeping birds, guys, we can learn a secret of holding those things which are most precious to us. Whether it be honesty, purity, thoughtfulness, honor, humility, character. You see, the secret is the knee bent in prayer. Okay? We need to be in prayer, guys. Seeking to get a firmer grip on those values that really make our lives worth living. And let me tell you what. Prayer is the one thing where you really get to know your Heavenly Father. You get to know His heart. Be disciplined in prayer. Some of you guys might have a great devotional life in the Scriptures, but are you praying the Word in? Do you have those times just to be still before the Father, to listen? I think we're good at telling Him a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> but really, to listen, to hear. I encourage you guys to do that. 
Also, I want to jump into Titus chapter 2 real quick before we get to Matthew 24. You guys hear me camp on these scriptures a lot, and I want to read it to you again, and this time it's going to be from the New Living Translation. Listen carefully. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures so we should live in, an, or in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look, okay? We do this while we're looking forward to the hope or with hope to the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed, Okay, so that's the key. We look towards his coming. When he comes, when he's finally revealed, this is going to be the secret to being in a place of living godly, okay, uprightly before him. And he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. What? Isn't that cool? So we've been camping on the second coming of Christ. Jesus spoke clearly. Isn't it really neat as we <laughs> we're getting towards the end of the Gospel of Matthew? Guys, you guys understand this is right before he's about to be crucified. He's like, all right, my time's coming to an end. There's some things I gotta make clear. Okay, some things you need to know. And you need to know that I'm gonna die. And I hope you guys catch this as we keep going through the Gospel of Matthew. It comes up over and over again. The Son of Man, he will be crucified, buried, and he will rise again. Jesus said it over and over again. Okay? But you also need to know, I'm coming back. And that's what he's been laying out for us here in Matthew 24. So as we wrap up this chapter this morning, there's five practical lessons or five illustrations that Jesus lays out for you and I. And we're going to learn a lesson this morning from a tree, from Noah, from a thief, from a wise servant, and from an evil servant. So let's take a look first at the lesson from a tree. Um, real quick, <laughs> one thing I do love about the scriptures and the parables that Jesus used, um, it's this, the Bible's a great book when it comes to illustrations, and especially when they're used of nature. Okay, God pulls out and uses nature a lot. And those who have eyes to perceive, we can understand and I think we've lost a lot because we sit in a day and an age where we don't get outside a whole lot. We're, we're sitting here looking at a screen. <laughs> but I love that Jesus speaks in such a way. It's just like, hey, go for a walk. Look around. Take in nature. Okay? It declares who God is. I love it. So we're going to see a lesson here from a tree in verse 32. Let's take a look. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till they see these things take place. What things? The things he's been speaking about here in Matthew 24. He says, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. Now, the fig tree has a special association with Israel. As you study the scriptures, you'll see that. The fig tree. 
speaking of Israel over and over again. So the people living during the tribulation time will be able to watch these things occur. Jesus says, watch for them, and you will know that his coming is near. God's asked us to be watchful. I think it was verse 6 earlier. Hey, the wars and rumors of wars. That's how Jesus began this whole talk of last day things. Guys, if we consider recent history, World War I and World War II, there's nothing comparable in world history. Hey, if you're going to talk about wars and rumors of wars, that was the big bang really that got things rolling and going. And you look at all the things that were to follow that. And if you go back and you look at these things that Jesus has been speaking to us in Matthew 24, the different things that would be occurring in the last days, you know, it's really since that time. The war started and then all these other things have been kicking off since then. It's pretty fun to watch, and we live in this generation. I believe what he's speaking about, we're living in this time, especially if the fig tree is Israel. When you see them come, okay, blossom, they're back in the land. Here they are, 1948. Pay attention, understand this parable, learn it, okay? This generation will see these things unfold. So the people living during the tribulation will be those who get to see these things and knowing that the coming is near. So this assurance will help them what? Endure to the end. Okay? We don't want to miss why he's speaking this. Hey, I'm speaking these things that you may endure to the end. How many can you guys testify in this room that because of what God has spoken to us, we've been able to endure some things we probably wouldn't have been able to endure without his promise, his word right? And that's the same thing. A lot of this, what we're going through today, this is pretty fun, okay? We enjoy Matthew 24, but how much cooler is this going to be if you're actually a person who knows the Lord during the tribulation? Think about that. Are you going to find a little encouragement? Whoa! Heck yeah! We're going through this just like he said. This is happening right now. The man of sin is here. The temple's built. It's all happening. It's all true. Would you be encouraged? I think so. Because what does prophecy do for you and I? It shows us that God is in control, that he's on the throne, that nothing takes him by surprise. Okay, He's got it. So, summer is near, Okay, and the harsh winter of the tribulation is past. So when you see signs of spring, you know that summer is near, right? It's going to be summer pretty soon. Here in our valley, we have trees. When we see them starting to bud, we know what? Hey! Summer's almost here. Humidity. Yay! So we also see the farmer markets start opening up around towns, right? Hey, summer's almost here. You know, we're glad our grass is getting green again, and then those little yellow things stop, start popping up. What do we know? Summer's almost here. Okay, and that's what God is speaking to us. Hey, watch these signs. Pay attention. Okay? You will know the end is near. And then he tells us here that my words, and wow, this is so cool, verse 35, okay? All, all of us have heard Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Isn't that cool? The word of God stands forever. I like looking at that. Hey, ministries come and go, fads fade but the word of God, that's what stands. Isn't that cool? Here we are in the word of God today. 
If he chooses to tarry another hundred years, the way people are doing church here in America is going to be radically different than how we do it today. But you know one thing that hopefully is going to be consistent? is that they're in the Word of God. The early church was doing it 2,000 years ago. And we've always had a remnant, though it may have been small. Okay, There's always been a remnant of those people who stuck to the Word of God. And that's something we see Jesus speak to all the time. Hey, my Word, that's what's important. Learn my Word. We need to know His Word. Um, so summer's near here. And he speaks to his words. So here Jesus, he puts his words really on equal par then or footing with the Old Testament scriptures. When he says, my words, you guys catch that there? These are my words and they are equal with the Old Testament scripture. Pay attention to these. And let me tell you what, if the Jews today would just hear the words of Jesus, if the Muslim would take time just like Allah commanded them to read the Gospels of Jesus, if they would actually just read about the kindness of the living God, the grace of God, they would recognize very quickly that Allah is not God because he is not those things according to the Quran. But there is a living God. There is a Savior of the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He is the one they should submit to if they would only read. So... We as believers do not depend on signs. We depend on his unchanging word. That is our foundation. That is where we stand. So we have his prophetic word confirmed. So everything wrong, everything evil, everything unjust, every prejudice, every bias, every discrimination, they're going to pass away. I can't wait for that day. And we have a hope. Okay, a new heaven and a new earth. Do you guys know that God's in the business of making things new? That's what I get excited about. Okay, I've been studying Revelation with a couple guys from the fellowship. And we've been going through the tribulation. And they're like, oh, man. And we've been doing this for many months now. And it's just like, oh, it's going to be crazy during this seven-year period and all the stuff that the world's going to go through, all the death and just destruction of things chaos okay but we know the end of the book and it's so good reading through those things because we know that god will come again and there will be a new heaven and a new earth a new jerusalem it's going to be so cool and because god is in the business of making things new that's what he does today in the hearts of men and women all around the world children doesn't matter who you are okay anyone second corinthians 5 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. So I have to ask you, have you been born again of the Spirit of God? Are you a new creation? Has God done a new thing in your heart and in your life? Are you saved? Because that's what he wants to do. That's his business. That's what his Holy Spirit is doing right now around the world. He's convicting people of sin. And what happens when we're convicted of sin? Oh, I'm doomed! You know, that's, that's the bad news. But the good news is there's a God who is gracious, who wants to do something in you to forgive sin, to make you new. So when it talks about here, the reality of God making all things new, okay, a new heaven, a new earth, where peace, justice, hope, joy, love, everything will be right, everything will be good, and that will have no end. I can't wait. Are you guys kind of excited for that to happen? I sure am. So, let's talk about Noah. 
there's a lesson to be learned from him. Look at verse 36. We're to be ready, okay? His second coming is near. Catch verse 36. But of that day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven. Okay, real quick. Um, <laughs> I have a really hard time when people predict when Jesus is coming back. I always have, okay? Um, I think they're moronic. Did you just really say that? Yeah, because they're false teachers. I don't know how many times I've had people come up to me and say, hey, is Jesus coming back then? Okay, I've been listening to this guy online, and he says, and he has all these scriptures to prove Jesus is coming back then. Hey, pastor, have you seen the moons? You see what's going on in the moons? Yeah, Jesus is coming back right then because of the moon. Let me tell you what. If Jesus doesn't know the day or the hour, who is this Yahoo to know the day or the hour? That's what I've always thought. Do we know better than Jesus? Jesus doesn't even know. Why would we know? It tells us we're not going to know. Who are you to think you know? So if you think you know, repent. Knock it off. You're going to be wrong. Just like all the tens of thousands of millions of billions of people have done that before. Anyways, you guys get my point? Okay, God's true. He's right. Where were we? Noah, sorry. We got to learn from Noah. No one knows the day or the hour. No one knows, okay? Not even the angels in heaven, but my father only. Verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, there were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. I want to pause just for a second. We'll come right back here. Um, I'm going to mention in a moment, this is just good stuff, normal stuff. It's always been. But I have this thought that keeps running through my head as I've been reading this the last few weeks. What are they doing here? They're eating, they're drinking, they're marrying and giving in marriage. And I'm thinking about what's going on today. What do people care about? We're the most gluttonous people that have ever lived in history guys okay the majority of our population is overweight i think about being given marriage that was a big thing back then why i finally get to have sex because we're good jewish people we can't do that i think about pornography almost 80 percent of people are into pornography it's like what is going on why did jesus just speak to these things drinking it's hard to ignore the drinking going on you guys know that Appleton's the drunkest city in the United States? Wow. Honestly, I mean, just look down the road. How many bars we have right here in Kakana? You know, I wish we had as many churches here as we do bars. It's ridiculous. You guys know the city right here where we sit, Kakana? We have more bars per person than any other city in the United States. What is going on, guys? And these are just the three things that he brings up. And it's just like, it's hard for us to ignore it. Okay? Has the sexual immorality ever been this bad, this perverse? We hide it well, but the facts are facts. 75% of ministers say the thing that's most detrimental to their ministry in holding them back is pornography. These are men of the cloth, guys. 75%? Really? It's in the house of God. As in the days of Noah, these things shall be going on. I can't ignore it. It's just there. Look at verse 39. And did not know until the flood came. They didn't know until the judgment came and took them all away. 
so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. It's going to be like that, guys. So then, two men, they're going to be in a field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women, they're going to be grinding at the mill. One taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. So the days of Noah, we have plenty of warning, but there's utter (laughs) unpreparedness here. You see, Jesus says history is going to repeat itself. Is it going to happen? I pray for revival. I want to see people repent and turn to Jesus. I believe he can do that. I don't want to put God in a box. He's a big God. He desires that none should perish. Why not he pour out his spirit in a radical way and people actually turn from their sin? I just look around. Why wouldn't people want to? We are so perverse and wicked and evil and things are falling apart all around us. Why wouldn't we want to turn to God and get things right? I don't know. But God said history will repeat itself as in the days of Noah. Commentators estimate there were about 7 billion people upon the planet during Noah's day. Guess how many people are on the planet now? Seven, and that's just recent, okay? Things are blowing up like crazy. So here we sit, we have a whole world, and a lot of people want nothing to do with God or the living God. Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Think about how many religious systems are in the world. None of them want anything to do with Jesus. The unforgivable sin for a Muslim, and there's two billion of them, is to profess that God had a son and then he died upon a cross. That's the one thing you can't be forgiven of. Really? Out of all the things you're going to call out, you're going to attack Jesus Christ. Really? That's the day and age we live in. Hindus, you can have all the gods in the world you want. Hinduism embraces every religion in the world except for one. You guys know what that one religion is? Christianity, because Jesus declares that he is the way. Period. There is no other way. You want to get there? It's through me, he says. And they don't like that. Narrows the way. So, getting sidetracks, fun. Back to days of Noah. So when he comes, he will find many unprepared or unconcerned. Most people don't even care what we're talking about today. Matthew 24. It's not really for us today. Remember, I was a part of one of the larger churches here in the valley and asked the pastor, hey, can we do a study in the book of Revelation? This was over 20 years ago. Uh, That's not for today. But pastor, it's the only book that says we're blessed if we read it and study it. Why wouldn't we want to? God said we would be blessed in studying this. It's not that, that all happened already. What? A lot of people think that. Jump into a Lutheran church. They'll tell you it already happened. Context is huge. And that's one thing I appreciated, David. You kept going back to the context of these passages. And that's what we all need to do when we're studying scripture, guys. Context is so important. So, when he comes, guys, we're going to be, <laughs> the world's going to be like those antediluvians who were there when the flood came and took them away. And the question from verse 38, what kept them from listening? What kept the people from obeying Noah's message? You see, the common interests of life is what we're told. Okay? They weren't really bad things. They were just normal pursuits, Right? You know, eating, drinking, getting married. You know, isn't that okay? You know, moderation. When does it become sin? When is it wrong? You see, 
if we note these men then, uh, both men, Noah and Lot, if you guys write down uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 28 through 30, you can go, and it's also the same uh, account uh, that we have here in Matthew 24. Uh, they both lived, it brought up Noah and Lot there in Luke's account, but they lived right before great judgments. That's one thing that both of those guys had in common. Um, I want you just to think for a moment. Uh, do you think we deserve judgment from God? Just be honest. Is that what we, I mean, God is very merciful. That's what I see. A lot of mercy being extended. I, I often wonder, you know, I hate, <laughs> I, love, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. The, the hate part is just the stupidity in, in the news cycles that go on. Just the horrific things, the evil that is abounding, okay? The evil things that people are trying to make good, that my heart just breaks. It tears me up. I wish I didn't have to see that stuff, but it is a reality, and you can't ignore it. This is the world we live in. Okay? We are anti-God. We are all about ourselves and what we want. Tolerant of everything, aren't we? Everything goes. Whatever you think is okay, unless it's Jesus. Um, sorry. My head keeps going to all that stuff. But when we consider what Jesus is saying here, is it not hard just to, you know, ignore what's right before us and what's happening? So the world was living in sin, oblivious to God. And what's the world like? What is it going to be like just before the final judgment of the coming of Christ? Well, it's going to be business as usual, right? So Jesus was warning them, don't lose the best by living for the good. Okay, and that's what we're doing today. I see a lot of people, I look at the Democratic Party. There's some things like killing babies, you're nuts. How is that ever okay? How nine months being pregnant <laughs> today, you know, the same day, you know, this is human rights. I have a right to do what I want. This is my body. It's my choice. If I took that baby out the same day and killed it, you know, that's, that's murder. You're going to jail. Anyways, <laughs> the point is, guys, I don't understand what's going on. But the Democratic Party has this platform, hey, we want to take care of each other. We want to make sure everything's okay. I like that, because that's kind of the heart of God. Let's love one another, right? So there's some good things that they're trying to do there, but without God, it ain't going to happen, guys. It's going to be twisted. It's going to be perverted. And that's what we see going on. There's some good ideas there, but it is completely messed up because of the sinfulness of our hearts. That goes for the Republican Party too, guys. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking about the heart of man here right now. And let me tell you what, there's going to be a day when God comes back and he sets everything straight. We look forward to that day. But what I do want to make a point of is we can't have the things that God has laid out because in our nature, we're selfish. In our nature, we don't want to love our neighbor. We don't want to take care of the poor. We don't want to deal with the injustices that are out there. Okay? But there is a world out there that's desiring those type of things, but the problem is they want those things. They want the good morals of God without God. We don't want you in the mix, Jesus. We want your stuff, but we don't want you. That's what I see going. They're oblivious to God. And I don't get it because there's so many good 
things that we are trying to do, but they aren't going to work because we've asked God to leave. We want to do your things. We just don't want you to be a part of it. And you have to have them together, guys. Otherwise, they don't work. You guys get my point? That's just been something that's been rubbing me lately because I see the world trying to do these good things, but they won't want Jesus. Like, how does it work? Anyways, moving on. Um, it's very dangerous, guys, when we get so absorbed into the pursuit of life that we actually forget the coming of Christ. And that's really what God is talking about here. Hey, we can get about our business, doing our thing, okay? But we have to remember that Christ is coming again. See, Jesus consistently taught that with certainty of the fact of his coming, but uncertainty of the time. Is he coming? Yeah. Do the apostles believe they were, he was coming in their lifetime? Yeah. Well, he didn't. And here we are 2,000 years thinking he's still coming. And I think God's allowed us in his grace that privilege. Hey, be expectant. Jesus could come at any time. Why? Because it's good for us as believers. It puts things into perspective. I'm kind of stoked because as we see, as we consider that fig tree, Israel's in the land, is Daniel told us that in the last days, knowledge will abound upon the earth. I don't think that's just speaking about knowledge in general because if you look at the last hundred years, you guys know the things that we are learning is just skyrocketing compared to the rest of history. The things where, I mean, we're in space, guys. It's just unreal the things we're pulling off. You know, and it's fun when we consider prophecy. God said, hey, knowledge will abound. And I believe that it speaks to biblical knowledge too because there are things that are unfolding before our eyes that are just making the scriptures clear. It's like, whoa, they didn't see this. Okay, why are we seeing this today? What's changed? Well, things are happening. Revelation chapter 11. Okay, you look at the beginning. Oh, Revelation chapter 11. I'm going to go there. I was going to talk about the two witnesses. Don't let me forget. But going back, the first part of chapter 11 talks about the temple. And I love how David laid out the third temple, how it's ready to be built, okay? It has to be there for the abomination of desolation to take place. Pretty exciting. Everything is in place for it to be built. And the thing that's kind of exciting is I was reading there in Revelation chapter 11. It says John was told to go measure Okay, the holy place, the temple, but not the outer courts. Okay, for it's been given over to the Gentiles. And it's kind of cool because we can't build the temple because the Dome of the Rock is there on the Temple Mount. How is that going to work? You guys know if we take that prophecy there in Revelation chapter 11, if you don't count the area that's needed for the outer courts, there's enough room for a temple to be built next to the Dome of the Rock. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I think the Antichrist is probably going to have a hand in making that happen one day. Hey, I'm going to make a peace treaty. I'm going to lay some things out, get some things rolling so everybody can get together, okay, for a seven-year period of time. Let's make this covenant with Israel. What does Israel want more than anything? We want our temple. I think that's going to be probably a part of it. But anyways, thank you for sharing on the temple. I thought you did a great job with that. Um, but I wanted to talk about the two witnesses. That's what I wanted to get to in Revelation chapter 11. Okay, we know that they're going to come. Okay, they're going to be preaching for 42 months. Out of their mouth, fire consuming people. Pretty cool stuff. Um, <clears throat> but we're told there that they're going, to be, they're going to die. And when they're killed there, the whole world's going to see it. And for the longest time, people scoffed. How is the whole world? This is what the Bible says. This is what God said. How is this going to happen? 
I don't know. I'm going to Israel on a trip, you know? Hey, let's go see those two weirdos who are preaching about Jesus. Hey, Facebook Live, look at these guys. Oh wait, they're being killed. Look at this and I got it on video. Is it doable today? Yeah, something they scoffed at not that long ago. The world can see today those guys. Isn't that kind of cool to think about? So, Bible knowledge, I believe, what Daniel's speaking about, last days, we're going to have a greater understanding. And it's a bummer because the Jews don't even read Daniel today. It's a book that was closed up till the end. And if they would just read, they would know. They would know. All right, thank you for that sidetrack. Um, let's turn to fish for a second. I want to talk to you guys about the anablips. Um, they're a minnow, little fish. They live down in uh, South America. Uh, they actually have four eyes. That's the thing that fascinates, about, <laughs> fascinates me about these guys. Uh, and their eyes are unusually large for the size of their body. They are actually bulging um, out of their head. And they're situated in their head in such a way when they're cruising along the water, two of them, they're like bifocals. They have different lenses on, on their eyes. Two are actually made to see what's going above the water. And then two, they can see what's going on underneath the water. Well, that's cool, Pastor. What does that have to do with us today? I think in light of Bible prophecy, we got to do the same, guys. We need half our eyes upon heaven, upwards, looking to Jesus. And we, we shouldn't ignore what's going on here. We need our eyes. Hey, be watchful. We're told over and over again in the scriptures. So let's do that well. Okay, so while those observing Noah's building of the ark could anticipate that the flood was impending, hey, what's this guy doing? He's preaching this is happening. He's getting ready. They saw it happening. It was obvious the flood uh, could not come until the ark was completed. And I see that in Bible prophecy, end time things. Things are happening. They're coming together. They're getting more severe. Okay, those birth pangs, they're getting bigger more often. So when the ark was completed, okay, um, Noah, his family, all the animals, they were in it. Those observing could anticipate the flood would come any day. But even then, they could not predict the day or the hour. So the context from verse 36, predicting time again, can't do that precisely. But Christ's coming, just like the flood, okay, it will be sudden, unexpected, and universal in all of its effects. And that's the thing that's exciting. I can't wait. Um, if you guys look at uh, verse 40, it talks about these people being taken. There's two men, they're in a field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women grinding at the mill. One taken, one left. Watch therefore, he says, for you do not know the hour of the Lord's coming. So taken, up in the rapture or off to judgment? Which one is it, guys? The only place that we see this also and we want to keep the context, again, Luke 17, verse 20 to 37, speaks to that. It's at the end of the tribulation. Some people are taken away to judgment, while others will remain in the kingdom. So two workers in the field, one taken, one left, verse 40. Grinding grain, one taken, one left. Luke adds that there will be two sleeping in bed, one taken, one left. So, so some will be taken at the judgment. That's why context is so important. Okay, there's some men that I really, really respect. I grew up in a church that taught that these scriptures were speaking to the rapture. I can't 
go there in the context of what Jesus is speaking about. It doesn't make sense. Um, so the taken away means taken away to judgment and not that of the rapture. So the ones left are those who will enter into the kingdom. And we're going to read, and I hope you guys make a point. Drag people, okay? In September, we're going to go through Matthew 25, and we're going to be told a parable there that speaks of the sheep. They were told, Come, you blessed to my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. And to the goats is going to be, Depart from me, you cursed. Okay, again, this is speaking of what? Context. We're talking about the end. Okay, judgment day. It's coming. So in verse 42, watch, the main practical thought is that of watchfulness. And that's the one thing I'm hoping to stir you guys up with this morning is we've just been going verse by verse through the scriptures here that you're stirred up to watch. Don't ignore what's going on. Israel is in the land. There's a lot of things happening okay we're told in Zechariah in the last days Israel will be a cup of trembling to all nations okay Israel seems to be a huge problem for the world for the UN even us what do we do with Israel I'm glad there's not a whole lot of things I like about our sitting president right now but there are some things I like that he's pro-life I like that he's called Jerusalem the capital. Let's move our embassy. Like, that's the coolest thing I think Trump's done. Honestly, that's just cool. There it is. And because the United States put their embassy there, guess what? The world has to pay attention. Isn't that kind of cool? I think that's cool. Way ahead of schedule, too. Other presidents promised it. Never happened. So again, why does that happen now? This is recent, guys. Now. I think it's cool. Just another piece of the stage being set. Things going forward. So we need to watch. And if you guys study the scriptures, and it's good sometimes for you and I to step back when we're studying a book. Well, what's the context? What's the overall theme to this book? And if you're in the Word of God enough, you know when you read the Gospel of Mark and Luke in 1 Thessalonians, the main theme is to be watchful. Watch. <laughs> That's what we need to be doing. And Jesus in this chapter is making that very clear for you and I too. Watch. Pay attention. Don't be ignorant of this. And aren't we ignorant of Bible prophecy today, guys? We are. Passover 2,000 years ago. Do you know what Jesus did? Is he's, right before he came down that mountain on that donkey, he wept. He cried. If you only would have read, you would have known the day of your visitation. If you only would have read, you would have known. Wow. How could they have known? Oh, they could have opened up to Daniel 9, chapter 24. No one understand, God says. Don't miss this prophecy. And he gives them the day he was going to come. Okay? This has been appointed for you. 490 years, 483 till Messiah. Well, there's seven years left out there for the judgment of Israel. Well, what's that seven years about? It's about the book of Revelation. Daniel's key to that. But the bummer is the church doesn't study Bible prophecy. There's eight times the amount of prophecy concerning the second coming. And that's why it's beautiful when we just take the scriptures seriously and we study through the entire Bible verse by verse. You can't ignore this stuff. But the bulk of the church, the majority of the church is right here in the Fox Valley do not believe what we're teaching today. 
I don't know about you guys, I don't feel like we're twisting Scripture. This is just pretty straightforward. This is what Jesus is saying. Pay attention. Be watchful. Don't miss this. I'm coming again. And when I do, this is what it's going to be like. So, watch. I'm going to read to you guys, and I want you just to listen. I'm going to read a paraphrase translation of Luke 21, verses 34 to 36. But be on guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties and drinking and shopping. Otherwise, that day is going to take you by complete surprise. Spring on, your, or spring on you suddenly like a trap, for it's going to come on everyone, everywhere, at once. So whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have strength and wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the Son of Man. How many of you guys have heard of the Pony Express? It's that historically famous mail service between St. Joseph, Missouri, um, all the way to California. And it depended on this constant movement and readiness. Relay stations were established anywhere from every 10 to 15 miles apart. And as a rider would approach one of them, he would begin to scream with a very loud voice, say, hey, notice I'm coming. Be ready for the switch. We got to keep things moving. So they always had somebody there watching, being ready, okay, for the fresh mount. So even when a rider came to a station where he was to spend the night, another rider would already be mounted, waiting, ready to grab that rider's bundle of packages to continue the trip. So the completion of the, the transcontinental uh, telegraph system rendered the Pony Express obsolete just 19 months later. But we have this service's intriguing example of what it really means to ever be watchful. We need to be ready, guys. So watch the word Gregorio. Uh, it's the English word Gregory. My uncle Grig's here today. And the meaning of Grig is to be awake, to be alert, to be alive. Okay, so maybe we should keep watch. It's kind of like Argus in Greek mythology. Argus. Panopus, uh, he was the one that had a hundred eyes, right? Uh, he was the very effective watchman, knew what was going on at all the, t- all the time. Is only a few of his eyes would sleep at a time, and there were always eyes still awake. Well, Argus was one of Hera's servants. Hermes disguised, or Hermes disguised himself as a shepherd one day. He came to Argus um, and began to tell him stories of the gods, boring stories hoping to put him to sleep well he did fall asleep so to commemorate uh her faithful watchman Hera, the hundred eyes of argus were preserved forever in peacock tales so there's a little bit of greek mythology but the point is what did jesus tell us keep watch don't fall asleep guys i think the church needs to wake up don't fall asleep. Well, this is boring. They've been saying this forever. Things just continue on as they always have. Why are we wasting our time on God's word here this morning? Why couldn't you 
make me feel good today? I don't know, guys. I feel good when thinking about Jesus coming back. It stirs me up as a believer. So we're to keep watching, not predicting. Let's move on. The lesson from the thief. We need to watch, be ready. Look at verse 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known the hour that the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus is so practical here for you and I. It's an obvious assumption. You know, you protect your home. Maybe you've spent money on locks, alarms, guns, a protector dog, whatever it is, um, from whatever thief might come, but not the thief in the night, otherwise known as Jesus, okay? He's going to come as a thief. It's going to happen like that. Also, a lesson from a wise servant. Be a faithful, wise servant. Uh, Verse 45, who then uh, is faithful and a wise servant? whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Blessed is the servant of his master, catch this, that when he comes will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him a ruler over all his goods. What are we doing when Jesus comes back? We come back with him. We're going to rule and reign with him. And some of us are going to have more responsibility. We'll be ruling over more things because we were faithful. We were doing what God has asked us to be doing. In verse 46, the servant's task, okay, it's not to be popular, it's to be obedient. And some of us really need to check our hearts. Well, I'm willing to serve and do this, okay, if it gives me a good reputation, if it makes me a little more popular. It's not what God's asking. Saying all he wants is your obedience. Are you doing what he's asking, no matter how small or how big it might be, Are you just being faithful to what he's asking? That's all that God wants. So like the householder, before the Lord went from us back up into heaven, he gave each of us a work to do. As a parent, I'm starting to leave me, my wife, Sunny. Hi, Sunny. We're starting to leave our kids home a little bit, you know, an hour here or there. Um, and, and it's nice to get away, <laughs> a little break. But there's sometimes, hey, you guys want to do this. You want to play a video game? You want to watch a Garfield? What do you, you know? If you want to do that, I want you guys to do this first. You're going to do some chores. You're going to do a little something first. It's kind of a bummer if I come home and what I asked them to do wasn't done. How do you think God feels when he comes back? Hey, I've asked you guys to do something. When I return, I find you doing what? Playing around? Goofing around, disobeying, bummer. As a father, let me tell you, it's a joy when I come home. I'm like, wow, you guys did and overdid what I asked you to do. Thank you for being a part of the family, chipping in, doing your part. A blessing. I don't know about you guys, but I want to bless our Heavenly Father. Why? Because he blesses us. I'm a part of his family, okay? It's a family business. We're working together. So he expects us to be faithful while he is gone, to be working when he returns. I want you guys to catch this. The teaching on the return of Christ, it is not to excite our imaginations. We did Revelation a couple years ago. It took a year going through it. And we had a lot of people just showing up because they were so excited. End time prophecy! Yay! I'm psyched! I'll come to that study. Other studies? Nah. 
But hey, end time stuff, I'm there, count me in. Okay, did a series a little over a year ago on the coming of Christ. We took three weeks, okay, diving into the scriptures on the return of Christ. We had a bunch of people come out for that. Guys, Bible prophecy is not there to excite our imagination, but it's to challenge the way we live here and now. That's what Bible prophecy does for you and I. Because as we discern what's going on, what's it going to do? It's going to stir us up. It's going to challenge us. If the Lord could come back at any time, am I sharing? Because let me tell you what, I got family and I got friends that need to know Jesus. Hey, everybody needs to know Jesus. Am I being bold in my faith? Am I sharing the gospel? Am I making disciples like Jesus asked me to do? So, it should spur us to live holy lives and to be actively involved in service and sharing our faith. What do you want to be found doing when Jesus returns? I think it'd be cool if he showed up right now. So cool! You know what we were doing on earth when Jesus showed up? We were talking about him coming to get us! Wouldn't that be awesome? I think that'd be pretty cool. And then it just happened! What were you doing? I was sleeping in. I was skipping church. Bummer for you! (laughs) That's your legacy for all time! No, (laughs) Just kidding. We're not going to condemn and judge when we're like Jesus. We can just do that now. (laughs) So, verse 47, the reward of obedient service is the capacity for greater service. That's all it is. You guys get that? If you're faithful in little things, he'll give you more. Guys, I want us to be in a place that we are learning to serve God. That's what he's called us to do. I read Galatians when I was camping with the family a couple times. And there was one scripture, the whole book is phenomenal. It's about freedom. I'd love to teach it again here. Stuff. But in chapter 2, verse 9, there's a whole defense for the gospel being laid out. And there, the apostles were reasoning, hey, Paul, you're ministering to the Gentile world. You're preaching the gospel. Do we have you guys get circumcised? What laws should you keep? No, none of that matters. What matters is you believe in Jesus, take care of the poor. That's also in my heart, Paul said. That's what I wanted to do. Preach Jesus and love the poor. Wow. Can we just do that, guys? Can we just do that? That's what he's asking us to do. Don't judge. Just love. Love him. Love others. Even the poorest of us. Especially the poorest. Because that's the heart of our Father. And when we're faithful in those little things, he'll give us more. Wrapping up this morning, the lesson from the evil servant, don't act as though he's delaying. Look at verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and in an hour that he's not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, professing servants in the house of God here. Verse 51, they're going to be chopped in two. That's bad. Do you guys know physically speaking that's permanent? Like, uh, you know, you're dead. You know, but it's temporary. Because what what goes on for all time? It's our spirit, guys. Our soul. Eternity, right? And it's not to be in comparison at all to this weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, that's eternal. So when you see these signs of the end times, you know his coming is near. 
We should be watching. We should be preaching this in the churches today. Man, I wish every pastor would take the word of God seriously and just say, hey, it's not for me to pick and choose what people should hear. God's told me to preach the word. What would happen if the church took seriously the coming of Christ? That they actually had discernment and believed his word. Whoa. We don't know how much time we have. Do you think the church would start living a little differently? Think our priorities would be a little different this week? Absolutely, guys. So watch everything, and in watching it, see God and know that the kingdom is ever near. So his kingdom is already, and it's not yet. His kingdom is always advancing. So we are a day closer to soon return. Okay? So what do we do? We keep watching. <laughs> we keep doing what he's asking us to do. And remember, we are all on the welcoming committee. Okay? We get to welcome people into the kingdom. Tell them. Invite them. Big party next Sunday at 9.30. You should be there. Right? Invite them. We're not on the planning committee. I hope you guys know that. There's a lot of bad teaching out there too how we the church are going to usher in the kingdom. Don't see it in the word of God, guys. But a lot of churches are on that bandwagon right now. We are going to do this. And when we accomplish this, then Jesus can come back. If we get our guys in government, then that will help push this agenda and Jesus will return. <clears throat> Not in the word. Sorry. We must learn to live in this tension that we see in Scripture between the readiness for Jesus' return and the planning for the generations to come. Let's not miss that. Why do we take kids' ministry so seriously here at Freedom? Because they are the next generation. Pray about that. Is God calling you to serve our kids? To be diligent in studying and praying that you can be teaching our children? I hope so. Oh, who cares about the kids' ministry? Jesus is coming back any day. Oh, scary. What if the generations before us took it serious? that it wasn't all about them. Let's prepare for our kids to teach them. We want to take that serious, guys. That's why we pour into our kids. Okay, we were talking just before about being faithful as servants. In a couple weeks from now, our Arise Youth Group's going to go up to Spencer, not Spencer, um, Silver, Silver Birch for a retreat weekend. They don't go to retreat. They get blessings. They get to have some fun while they're there. But one thing we're purposing to do, we want our kids to learn the Word of God and we want to teach them how to serve. And I just read a really neat article by Sean McDonald, Josh McDonald's son. Okay? He did a bunch of statistics on church kids because we see so many of them, once they age out and they're off to university, so many are walking away from the faith. Now, even all the way down into junior high, why is this happening? There's many reasons why it's happening, but... There is an outstanding difference between the kids who were taught the Word of God and they served in their youth groups. The numbers are staggering. They stick with Jesus. So many more of them. So what do we do, guys? If we're not serving, are we teaching our kids how to serve? If we don't have an attitude of servanthood in our church, are we really following the kaleo, the example of Jesus Christ? Didn't he come to serve and not be served? 
Today, in American culture, we're all about being served. I want this from the church. If they can do this for me, then I'm in. It's so backwards, guys. Church is a blessing. It is a gift. All we're called to do, what I'm called to do, hey, we're going to build up the saints today. Why? For the work of the ministry. Okay? A lot of ministry happens on a Sunday morning, but let me tell you what, that's only a couple hours of our week. Majority of the ministry of Freedom Fellowship happens Monday through Saturday throughout the week as we're rubbing shoulders with our coworkers, as we're serving at the pantry, as we're in the jail, as we're loving the poor, as we're being light to this world that is just dark. So we need to be pouring in. And also when it comes to the next generation, guys, how's that going to happen? It's going to take sacrifice. Don't talk about giving a whole lot, but what are we giving to? Are we investing into eternal things? I don't know when Jesus is coming, but let me tell you what, I want our kids to be prepared. I want our generation. I want our next generation, whatever God has, if he does tarry here at Freedom, that they're freed up to do whatever God wants to do. Wouldn't that be cool? Just a couple weeks ago, one of the neatest young guys on fire for Jesus, he's kind of in a place, I don't know what I'm doing. I wish we financially as a church, I could have offered him a job because this young man has a heart for young adults, youth ministry, outreach. That's his heart. He wants to go and share the gospel. Wouldn't it have been cool as a fellowship if we could have just said, hey, bro, you're hired. What a gift that would be to our community. But again, that's where it comes back to us. Are we willing to sacrifice? Or are we living for us? It's either us or eternity. And I encourage you guys, Live sacrificially. Let's prepare for the next generation. And let me tell you what, if the Lord comes back, are we going to care? Oh, shouldn't have made that sacrifice. You know, I really like those three coffees a day I was having. <laughs> Just down to one. That sacrifice was, are you going to care when you're in the glory with, glory with Jesus? No way. Anyways, if we genuinely embrace his sacrifice, we will joyfully embrace a sacrificial life. See, God's will for us is less about our comfort than it is about our contribution. So God would never choose for us safety at the cost of significance. And that's what we want. We want to be safe. We want to be comfortable. What are we trusting in, guys? Are we trusting in the Lord? Are we trusting in ourselves? You see, God created you so that your life would count, not so that you would count the days of your life. So, I want to end with this thought, and then we're going to partake in communion together. We distinguish Christ's coming for his church, that apazo, the raptoro, the caught up of 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Again, do not ignore this, we're told. The rapture is going to happen Okay, it's going to happen. And then we have the coming of Christ with his saints. Okay, the, the parasoa, the coming, Jude 14, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. You see, at the rapture, Jesus comes for his saints. At the second coming, Jesus comes with his saints. At the rapture, we meet Christ in the air. At the second coming, we come with Christ. We return with him. At the rapture, saints are changed. Twinkling of an eye. At the second coming, no change of the saints. 
at the rapture, it's imminent. The second coming is preceded by definite signs, and it is a calculated day. At the rapture, it deals with the saved. At the second coming, it deals with the saved and the unsaved. At the rapture, Satan is not bound. At the second coming, Satan is bound. I can't wait. At the rapture, the world is not changed. But at the second coming, the world's going to be radically changed. In the rapture, no one sees Jesus. The second coming, all are going to see him. So rapture awareness, guys. Being rapture ready, very important. That's something that's not preached a whole lot today. But it's something that we're told in Scripture. Comfort one another with these words. Guys, he's coming any day. Don't know when, but it's going to be any day. I hope you're looking forward to him. I hope your eyes are watchful, that you're anticipating that, because it does a wonderful thing in us. I want to look as we consider communion. Can I have a couple of the guys hand out the communion elements? I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians 11. I want you guys to catch this. This is a passage that we read often with communion, but there's a point here that ties in to the coming of Christ. Okay? There's a reason why we're doing communion together. If you take a look with me up here on the screen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had ta- or given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, then he took a cup. And after supper he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Four, and catch this, guys. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, what? Until he comes. Isn't that cool? Every time we come to the Lord's table, what are we doing? We're proclaiming his death, what he did, until what? Until the second coming when he comes again. That's pretty exciting. Okay? So us as saints, how can we ignore the coming of Christ? Every time we come to his table, he's asked us to remember that he's coming. I'm pretty excited about that, guys. I hope you're encouraged this morning. And as we take a moment, as you guys continue to hand out the elements, um, just take a moment to be still before the Lord. We're told also when we come to the Lord's table to examine ourselves. Just be real. Am I being faithful? Examine yourself. You know? Am I in habitual sin? What do I need to repent of? What do I need to do to be on the same page with you, Jesus? What are you asking of me? And are you watchful? I think that's a big question for us this morning. Do you believe he's coming? I hope so. So take a moment, do some reflection. I'm going to have John come up again and he'll close us in a song this morning. chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night 
Even through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Could imagine. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom? Such boundless grace The God of ages Stepped down from glory To wear my sin And bear my shame The cross has spoken I am forgiven the King of Kings calls me His own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free, hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning. That sealed the promise Your buried body Began to breathe Out of the silence The roaring lion Declared the grave Has no claim on me Then came Then came the morning that sealed the promise your bearing body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me jesus yours is the salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, 
my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. God, you are my living hope. Oh Lord, how we thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed for us, Lord, to give us an eternal hope, Lord, that is sure and steadfast and we can be confident in. How we thank you for your word this morning. And, uh, would you be with us as we leave this place today? Fill us with your spirit. May we walk in just light of your soon and imminent return, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings to you guys. Have a great day. God bless you, and thanks for listening to today's message. For more information on Freedom Fellowship Church or to hear other teachings, please visit our website, cometofreedom.com, or interact with us at facebook.com slash Church.